Welcome to episode 7 of the 412 Double Play Podcast. Today is June 12th. I am, as always, your host, Michael Castrogano. Joining me today is my co-host, Ed Wassel. Ed, thanks for joining. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, I've been doing better after this these past two series, but not much. I don't think that we call for the teams to to win any more series. I think we just say they're going to lose every single game the rest of the year, and uh, we'll go undefeated. You were yeah, calling for like... us to sweep the Tiger series and then take three or four, I think, from the Braves. Yeah. Maybe two or four. I messed up. So we came same came four four games away from that happening. Yeah, no, it was uh it was not a good week. And we're gonna get into the weekly recap in a little bit, but let's look at the roster roundup for the this past week. Only transaction we had, Pirates placed uh left hander. Dylan Peters on the 15-day IL, retroactive to June 3rd. Recalled Aaron Fletcher. He was doing pretty well with Indianapolis. Rehabbing, not rehabbing, excuse me, um, was sent down because he did awful with the Pirates. Um, But now we're kind of down Dylan Peters, who was doing long relief, along with guys like, you know, Will Crow and pretty much whoever else Shelton wanted to throw in there. How do you see this sorting out short-term? Hopefully it stays short-term because Peters has been, I don't want to say exceptional, but he's done good at what he's been asked to do. That the long relief or the opener role, he's definitely been suitable. So I'd like to see him back sooner than later. Uh, We'll have to see on on a – Fletcher, hopefully he can keep that momentum coming up from AAA and bring it into the majors. Yeah, he definitely had a stronger start to the season than he had been recently. Didn't give up any runs in all of April, and then in May he went uh, one and two with an 8.49 ERA. And only pitched two-thirds of an inning in June before the injury, so... um. Hopefully we see more of the April Peters than the May Peters. Possible that there was an injury that he didn't disclose and that was the cause of it, but um, you're right. He he was, <clears throat> excuse me, really strong in April at least and four stints in May. So hopefully we can get him back. I don't have as much faith in Aaron Fletcher. Anthony Banda, who is the other lefty in the pen, is also really bad. Just don't Shelton keeps going to him, and I mean, <laughs> we talked uh, before the call, before the uh, podcast recording that this was going to be a ramp heavy because I'm not happy with the decision Shelton's been making with uh, bringing Chris Stratton with guys on base in yesterday's game. With um, oh, what did he? There was a decision he made today. Now, of course, I'm not remembering it where he brought in a pitcher, and I was like, that's so stupid. <laughs> it just, I, I just get so frustrated with him that it, it burns my brain out. Yeah. I'll have to Go, have Going to back to up. Peter's, how you uh, mentioned his rough May, you know, it really he really could have been trying to fight through that injury or like, hide a little bit because he's not one of those guys on the roster that's irreplaceable. And I'm sure he can see the young talent, you know, at the lower levels that are knocking on the door. Right. And 
you know, it could be one of those things. If, if one of those guys gets their foot in the door, he, he could be on his way out. Yeah. Well, a so, bullpen guy, relief pitching, that's diamond dozen. You can pick them up waiver wires, trade free agency. Um, the thing that today was that he put chase the young in late in a game when I think it was a two run game at the time or one run game. And he gave up a, I think he gave up a home run. And uh, I didn't realize that DeYoung's actually been doing pretty well this season, ERA-wise, but he's just not he, – he's not the guy that I want in. Like, he can do mop-up duty. He's not a guy I want trusted with these high-pressure situations. I want to be trying guys like Yuri De Los Santos, who's pitched, like, two times. And because he didn't do well the second time, he's pretty much been just sitting in the bullpen since then. So yeah, it looks like looks like he had DeYoung come in to pitch the eighth with a yeah a one run game at the time. Yep. So not one not something I agree on. I feel like sometimes the roster construction isn't great. Uh pulled Thompson the other day when he was at like fifty seven pitches. That's just something silly. like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't realize you're able to watch. I didn't realize this pitch count was that low when he was. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, had gone five innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, four strikeouts. And it was two solo home runs. And I think they were in the first or second inning. So I he had been. Yeah. Yeah. So he had really been cruising after that point. But you know, going into the third time through the lineup, so Shelton, of course, had to pull him. So nobody's going to throw a complete game this season, which fine, but you got to give guys a chance to go a little bit further because this bullpen has some strong pieces, but he, he's just really burning them out. Yeah, I, I can see Contreras possibly pitching a complete game. Contreras is probably the one least likely because it, he's going to be on a, uh, an innings count this year. Like he might get sent down at some point later on in the season because innings control. He just didn't pitch enough last year with the injury. I don't like that. I I mean I I get it, but you gotta let them you gotta let them pitch. I know. But getting into the weekly recap, as bleak as it was, week didn't get off to a great start. Quintana had his worst outing of the year. Offense couldn't get into gear as the Pirates lost both games of the Tiger series, 5-3 and 3-1, and then didn't improve in the Brave series as the Bucks lost 3-1, 4-2, 10-4 after leading in, going into the seventh inning and finishing up the series with a 5-3 final score as they were swept in the four-game series, currently riding a six-game losing streak. So, <laughs> uh, we talked at the top of the call that things aren't going so great for the team. What specifically do you think is if there is, I guess, a specific issue with the team, what do you think it is? Offensive production. I mean, if you're, you're holding the Braves to three runs in one game, four runs in the other, 10, we're not going to count that. Yeah. Take away the eighth inning. It was, you know, four, three at the time. So they were in every one of those games 
they, they were in every one of those games up until the seventh inning. Yeah. And this is if, of each game. So yeah, if I can quickly they, interject on that, this is continuing the streak of winning uh, only the losses being by two runs or less, except for that 10, four game, which really got away. Like you said, in the later innings, but go ahead. No, I just, it seems like the Pirates just aren't built to win. You're not going to win a, a eight to seven game. Like it, it seems like they're winning. If they're winning two to one or three to two, they, they just they have to put up more runs. Yeah, and I mean, we face some pretty. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say we we face some pretty tough pitching. The Braves have a really solid staff. Um, Kyle Wright today looked excellent. He's got the second lowest batting average in the league, probably behind Joe Musgrove, if I were to take a guess. No, no, no. It was uh, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. Um, so he has some really good stuff. Uh, Charlie Morton was really good. We've been facing a lot of left-handed pitchers. We've got a short bench because they've got that extra spot being used as a relief pitcher. But this is going back to Shelton kind of mismanaging his team. He's not using them all, so why do we have them all? You might as well have another right-handed guy, even if he's like a utility player called up from Indy to be in that role. Yeah. Yeah, definitely very left-handed heavy lineup. And even even guys that are that are getting ready to come up, it seems like those next guys up are all lefty too. Yeah. Yep, they so, are, and <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. But uh, that sounds like a pretty good transition for down on the farm. lot to cover with this. Indianapolis Indians played host to the Columbus Clippers, won four of six with big performances from O'Neal Cruz, Bly Madris, Jiwon Bay, and Kanan Smith and Jigba. Bryce Wilson had the best start of the week, going six innings, six hits, one run, one walk, and three strikeouts. The pivotal moment of the week was probably Thursday night when they had a walk-off steal of home by Jared Oliva. That was a really exciting one because the the catcher for the Clippers looked at him, saw that he was a third of the way to home, and still, like, lollipoped the ball back to the pitcher. Like, yeah, he, like, soft-tossed it back. It was he was like, all right, you just try and do no, don't try. Yeah. So that, it was actually it was really fun. That, that was an exciting one. So, um, seeing some so, of that base running up in the Pirates, and we were talking about. Uh, sorry to go back a second here, but it's <laughs> on that. the production. They need to be a little more aggressive on the base. You know, going first to third or tagging up on a not so deep. And who that next? I mean, it's at some point it's worth a shot. It, it could light a spark, right? And things going. Yeah, you had mentioned the other day with uh, Perez flew out to I think mid center. Uh, Michael Harris Jr. Or Michael Harris II, his name, uh, was playing center at the time. He's got a really strong arm. I think it was it Sawinski at third, 
and you, it was one out, and you were surprised that he didn't. It wasn't Perez was on deck. Somebody else had Perez was on deck. Yeah, Steele that flew out. I'm not. I'm not 100 yeah. sure who it was, but I, I feel like it was. It was deep enough to give it a shot at where they were at in the game. Yeah, because Perez they, and he just, struck out three like times the, today. The play before, they had just tested Acuna's arm going from first to third. And he made it. So, yeah. I said, worth the yeah. shot. Yeah, they, Acuna, Harris, they both have really strong arms. I, I have mixed feelings on it. I, I agree. Probably would have been worth trying to force a throw at least. But that didn't happen there. So... Nope. Jumping down to Altoona, they were at the Reading Fighting Phillies, split the week series after winning the last two games behind the bats of Aaron Shackelford, Leover Paguero, and Matt Gorski, who each had three extra base hits. Michael Burroughs pitched five innings, one hit, three walks, and nine strikeouts on only 77 pitches. Only a seven-inning game as part of a doubleheader. Would have liked to see if he could have kept going there, but uh, it was still really nice to see. Additionally, Henry Davis returned to the team yesterday and has already been hit by pitch twice today. So, <laughs> Henry Davis is currently batting under, I think, 100 at Altoona, but his OPS is something like 800 or something like that, just because he's been hit by pitch. 776. 776, just because he's been hit by pitch so many times. He's got a 412 on base percentage. Yeah, I re- I'd love to watch more of his at-bats. I know we talked about it earlier, how you- you know, you don't, he's not crowding the plate or he's, you know, leaning he's into not him, like he said, Mo Vaughn on the plate. He's not right, or, but you, or you said his, like a big guy like that. Does drop over and cover some of the strike zone. Yeah. So. And he's got padding all up his arm, his shoulder, his leg. Well, you get hit 15 times and tell me you're not 28 games. I know. <laughs> 15 times in 28 games across, um, let's see, FCL, low A, high A, and Altoona. And I think he's only played like five games in Altoona, so. Yeah, um, we, we can't afford for him to be getting hurt. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was just a, the weirdest thing that he's he's hit by pitch. And I was looking it up to see, like, you know, who in the minor league baseball has the most hit-by-pitches this season. And I believe it's someone with 18 who has played many more games than Davis. Yeah. Who missed, like, a month because of when he got hit-by-pitch in the wrist. Yeah. <laughs> missed a month by getting hit-by-a-pitch. Yep. Jumping down to Greensboro, they were at Winston-Salem Dash, lost 4-6, but pulled out an 11-10 win today. Solid offensive performances from Jackson Glenn and Fabricio Macias, who each hit two home runs, as well as Jacob Gonzalez, who posted a 350-409-600 line for the week. Top prospect, Jared Jones, pitched 4.1 innings, allowing seven hits, one run, walking four and striking out three. Walks have been a big issue for Jones so far. He's been kind of hit and miss lately on that um do you have any thoughts on (laughs) jared jones i know that we're both currently preparing our top 30 prospects i don't know if you've been looking specifically at him or his stats i know he doesn't have a great line overall for the season currently posting a 510 era but he does have really good stuff he's still 
very young, only 20, will turn 21 in August. Any thoughts on Jones? He's got loads of potential. But like you mentioned with his box, uh, if he can get his control dialed in, he he can be something. Yeah. I mean, seven hits over four innings is quite a bit. But not seeing what those hits were, if they were bloop singles or infield hits or whatever. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at the line. Uh, he's coming off a season in Bradenton where he went 66 innings and struck out 103. So not looking at the other lines, get 34 walks. Right now he's already up to 23, but – the, the, that's a lot of strikeouts and yeah. moving up to Greensboro, you know, Greensboro is a very hitter friendly park. So he's going to be, I mean, he was playing with some Salem this week, but I don't know how that compares. Certainly something to keep in mind when looking at the season as a whole. Yeah. Just looking at the strikeouts, obviously his pitches play. Yep. He, he's, He's fooling a lot of batters, so that's that's good. He's missing bats. Yeah, and he's still young. He's still kind of working, finding his pitches. This is what A-ball is all about, figuring out what works, what doesn't, and then double-A is getting the results. Yeah. So uh, moving down to low-A, Bradenton hosted the Clearwater Threshers, split the series with a 6-1 victory today, bolstered by Sergio Campania on offense, and combined pitching from Aaron Shortridge, Brennan Malone, Jake Sweeney, and Junior Thibo, who combined for nine innings of three-hit, one-run ball, walking three and striking out ten. The big moment of the week for Bradenton was on Thursday when Quinn Priester and Anthony Salamito uh, pitched seven innings of a combined no-hitter, which was uh, the second combined no-hitter of the season for a Pirates affiliate. Really impressive performances by both of them. Um, Priester's still rehabbing. Hopefully we're going to see him in Altoona soon. I'm guessing it's going to be another start there or uh, possibly moving into Greensboro before we'll see him back with the curve. Any thoughts on anybody with uh, Bradenton in this past week? Uh, just the pitching staff, like he said, if you're scattering only three hits over two games, that's – that's pretty incredible. Uh, not, not like a huge, I don't want to say a fan, but uh, the multi-picture no-hitters aren't that big to me. I think it's, it's a lot bigger if you can just go out there with one guy and do it. Sure. That's still, obviously still more impressive. difficult for one guy to do it than, you know, three or four. Um, in this case, it was four guys who completed it, and there were some really nice defensive plays behind them. The last one was, um, I think it was Jarvis playing. Uh, Mike Jarvis was playing second base, and he made a diving catch on to make the last out of the game. So, yeah, it was a, it was a really... I mean, cool game. It's a cool moment for those guys to be a part of, especially starting out early in their career. Salmito, he's only, what, his fourth game of the season? Came in in relief. 
of Quinn Priester, one of our top prospects. So, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's it's great to see. It's it's good anytime anytime someone in your organization can do that. Yeah. So, uh, so jumping down to our special for the week, I just want to <laughs> give a a precursor on this. I had written on Thursday. When do we start to worry about Brian Reynolds? Because he up to that point had been batting very poorly and um, wrote a lot, you know, looked into all the advanced statistics as to why that was the case and what could be like, you know, causing it. And then he went and had this, you know, blow up weekend where he went 10 for 15 against the Braves with two home runs. He had like one or two doubles. So anyway, (laughs) that looking at a different special which is what is the answer for the pirates at first base this has been kind of an ongoing problem you know we're not one of those teams like the cardinals of the early 2000s where they had pools there for 10 years or the reds who've had Votto manning first base for you know 10 12 15 years um this is kind of even when we were competitive there was a lot of turnover at the position. So the team started the season with Yoshi Sutsugo penciled in, starting first baseman, despite historically being very poor defensively. Michael Chavis was somewhat uh, platoon with him, and then we had Daniel Vogelbach as a DH. Well, Yoshi has been terrible, leading to a very real IL stint. Vogie, after a solid start to the season, scuffling, uh, up, coming into today with a 198, 281, 376 slash line in his past 30 games. Uh, that sandwich around his own time on the IL. Chavis has been somewhat more consistent, still batting 196 over his last 15 games. Struck out 11 times in the past week with zero walks. Not great by any account. When Yoshi went down, the team added fan favorite, Yu Chang <laughs> from the Guardians. And He's been nothing short of terrible. He's currently two for 28 with one RBI, which came off a bloop double that barely got out of the infield. Josh Van Meter, he also saw some reps at first before ending up on the IL himself. Didn't look comfortable defensively outside of a solid run prior to his injury. Wasn't really lighting it up with the bat either. Now, it, it doesn't really look like there are any good options on the Pirates currently. The obvious one fans talk about, Mason Martin down in Indy. But he's been slumping hard. April saw him post an OPS of 1.020, but he dropped badly in May, despite an increase in walks and home runs to a 751 OPS. So far in June, he has a 355 OPS, zero home runs. I'm not a big believer in the bat playing in the majors. Given him his, his offseason exclusion from the 40-man roster, front office doesn't see it either. So I, I'm not sure if that's going to really play. He was... Uh, Given the day off today, Bly Madris, who is another potential option, if he can play well enough at the position, uh, was posted at first base. Altoona has some options. Aaron Shackleford, Brent Sitta, but they're still hitting around 250 against double-A pitching, which it's tough going with that transition. They're also both around 24-25, so they're age-appropriate there. Going lower, you could argue... Andy Rodriguez, a top 10 prospect in the organization. He's in Greensboro, possibly some guys in Bradenton. But I think the most obvious pick, hopefully, being a little optimistic since it's early in his career with the Pirates, 
Jacob Gonzalez. Now, Gonzalez, currently in Greensboro, started the season in Bradenton. Intriguing option. He was a minor league Rule 5 pick, whom we've talked about before on the show, was a second-round pick for the Giants back in, I believe, 2018. And uh, he currently has a 354, 396, 576 slash, over 26 games with grasshoppers. Five home runs, five walks only, 10 strikeouts, over 99 at-bats. Now, I'm eager to see more from him, given that this has been a real breakout season for a guy drafted five years ago. Ed knows that I've been wanting a Joey Votto-type player. Gonzalez seems the closest to that comp in the system currently. Uh, Ed, (laughs) thoughts on that? I don't hate it. Like you said, it's it's been a real short stint in Pittsburgh so far for, for Gonzalez. Right. And he is a little – he's older for the the level he's playing at. He's pretty much but at I, that – once he gets out to he's going to be age-appropriate. Triple-A team, didn't we? Well, now i got to look it up. Hang on. I, I wanted to say he, he was uh, – we got him in the tri- rule side draft. Well, it's minor league, so we can get them from any part of the organization. And I don't know exactly how that works overall. Um, No, he was, let's see, he was in high A with San Francisco. Okay. So, and he was drafted in 2017. Second round, 58th pick overall, and looks like he was drafted out of high school. So, so I think I think we actually talked about him in either the our pilot episode or the very first episode. Yeah, we we talked about him pretty early on, and because he uh, was he he was crushing the ball in Bradenton, right? And And then they pushed him up to Greensboro, and he's system. Yeah, I mentioned him in the Greensboro recap because he had another solid week. You know, you bat 350 over six games. That's good. You know, (laughs) Greensboro is a hitter-friendly park. But that's not, you know, they were playing in Winston-Salem. He's he's still continuing. And he's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. He's getting on base. He's not striking out a lot. He's getting his walks. Like, if he keeps going like this, he should be in Altoona by the end of the season. Maybe sooner. Absolutely. I'd say sooner. But I'll throw you another option in there that I just noticed while looking looking some stuff up today. I saw that they had first base. They they have had Gorski there, yeah. So I mean I don't <laughs> know how he I don't know how he's been defensively there. But I considered balls. throwing Gorski into the mix because I saw that they had him in there. Um and I mean, I, I'm either doing that because, we, as we've discussed before, such a outfield. I mean, yeah, through every level, the, the the outfield is stacked. So if if you're going to find guys playing time, and show he's capable of playing defense at first, you know, I, I'd say he is an outside chance of potentially being called up. Yeah, he's had. Uh, 12 games, 
over 100 innings at first base in his minor's career. So, could happen. Could be Gorski. Uh, the bat's definitely been playing. Um, yeah, I think he's... Home runs and extra base hits. Home runs. Just home runs? Possibly. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to compare it side by side because I think Gonzalez is up there. Um, my boy Alvarez might be up there. Yeah, he's been quite a tour lately. Okay. Alvarez? Yes. <laughs> keep saying it. Yeah, I keep saying it. Uh, one day. But, yeah, um, and Gorski, both right-handed, both play other positions. Uh, Gonzalez also plays third base. Um, so that there's that flexibility, especially given that, you know, they're in Greensboro. So who knows how their careers are going to change as they move up within the organization. But I, I, I like both of them. We would have to see how they would be able to handle it long term. And hopefully they can continue this trend of <laughs> hitting well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, there's both taken. There's not a ton of options. Uh, I, I, I love Andy. Yeah, he still has some. Ideally, you know, if you can keep some maturing, that would be better. But yeah, well, yeah. But if you're gonna have Davis, so young. I mean, him and Davis are gonna come up pretty close to each other. I think. I don't think you want to just have his back wasting away on the bench as a backup catcher if you don't have to. No, I know. Which having the DH will help, and possibly that's where you know Gonzalez and Gorski could end up as like first base and DH, while still being able to spot in other spots. So, hopefully, you know, continuing my trend of bashing Shelton. I honestly, I, the amount of times I said, gosh, I can't wait till we have a different manager under hurdle. And now I've got Shelton and I, I, because of the podcast doing such a deeper dive on everything. I'm like this guy. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get to the point where you see Shelton with a chance of fielding a team that should be competitive consistently. And if that's the case, that's when I think you're going to see see him either get let go or thrive. But if he's, if he's still yeah. making these same, he's going to be right there with with Madden and uh, Girardi. You know, I mean, there's yeah. there's two guys that have you know teams that can compete anywhere at any given day, and they just weren't. Right. Well, we've seen it with the Phillies. They've won, like, what, 10 games in a row coming into today? I think they lost to the Diamondbacks, but um, they went on this huge winning streak after they cut Girardi. And uh, the Angels, still kind of scuffling, but um, both teams had expectations coming into the season. 
and both were underperforming. Coming into this season, Pirates didn't have that expectation. I'm hopeful that they'll just cut Shelton because they don't see him as the manager to handle this team when they are good. Um, I I don't want to liken it back to like 2010, 2011 when we hired Hurdle initially under the last regime. I think of it more like late 2014 when the Cubs started calling up all their prospects and that September, you know, Bryant came up for a cup and Rizzo was hitting and the, the team really started to mesh well. And then they fired their manager and brought in Madden. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I see. That's yeah, I what mean, I think they'll do with Shelton. He, he could be that bridge manager, which it, it works out for both parties. He's getting his, his shot at being a major league manager. And you're going to have growing pains, and they're not expecting that much from you because they're still, well, when he was hired, right in the middle of rebuild. So not a ton of pressure was on him. Yeah. I just, we don't have great, like, high expectations for this season. We finished last in baseball in 2020, the shortened year. We finished fourth last year. And then this season we're heading for, I guess, middle of the pack. So great that we're improving. But if we're not improving from being that bad, then there's more problems than just the manager. Yeah. You know, this isn't like the Astros when they tanked so hard they got the number one pick overall three years in a row. I mean, some, something else that is upsetting for me, going back to the offensive production, I believe Shelton was a hitting coach. But yep, that should, be, that should be his specialty. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would think he would emphasize on hitting. And it just, it hasn't shown. Yeah. Well, we brought in Andy Haynes, who was fired by Milwaukee. Uh, I, I, some people were saying, oh, maybe that's the reason why Reynolds is off to such a bad start because he ruined Yelich and now he's ruining Reynolds. Hopefully this, you know, June is, is Reynolds magic month and that's turning things around for him. And hopefully the rest of the team can catch fire too. I don't know. I'd like to at least have some good stuff this season. Like we did last week, but not, uh, the, the week before this past week, with the Dodgers and Diamondback series. But yeah, you you need to have things to build off of. So, all right. So moving on to our Stargell Stars of the Week, offensive player. Was an obvious no-brainer was going to be my special of the week, but instead, Brian Reynolds. After going one for eight in the Tigers two-game set, Reynolds bounced back with a ten for fifteen showing against the Braves. Punctuated with two home runs the past two games. Um, his approach at the plate has just been better in June. I don't know what exactly changed. I'm going to have to go back and look at some video. But he is just earlier on, he was kind of trying to press too much. He's try- this kind of going into the research that I had done on him prior to this streak. He was getting pitched outside and low. And those are areas where he would just be kind of reaching 
trying to swing at these balls that weren't strikes. He wasn't going to reach, trying to like put the team on his back. Uh, so I don't know if the pressure of maybe having that strong, you know, MVP vote getting season last year got to him, but hopefully he's a little bit more relaxed now that guys like Sawinski are hitting home runs. Guys like Hayes are getting on base. Um, and as we're going to get more guys up, O'Neill Cruz hopefully will be up with the team soon. We've got uh, Cal Mitchell. He's looking pretty good. Travis Swaggerty. I don't know where he is. He started two games since he got called up over a week ago and had a pinch hit appearance. He pinch ran twice. That's not, you know, he's it was our first round draft pick a couple of years ago, and now he's going to be a pinch runner. Yeah, he, he's got to he's got to be able to log some innings. Yeah, it, it's tough because Reynolds is now performing. Sawinski's great. Mitchell hasn't you know been as good lately, but he's still been performing. And then they're putting Vogelbach in at DH, so there's not really any other spots for him. So yeah. I'm hoping that once again Shelton can figure out a way to get Swaggerty in the lineup, get him some consistent playing time. Otherwise, Charrington is better off sending him back to AAA, getting him regular reps until he's needed at some point later on. Stargell star number two goes to starting pitcher Mitch Keller. He's been looking better since he added the sinker to his arsenal. He threw six innings, allowing four hits and one run against two walks, seven strikeouts facing the Tigers. He looked to be throwing less sinkers, moving his slider more, but after a rough first two innings, really settled in and just made his pitches when he needed to. I think we're starting to see, and I'm not having any expectations of Keller, if he can be a mid-to-back rotation type guy, then that's fine. That's really all we need. You know, pretty much everyone else on the rotation had blow-ups this past week, so well, except Contreras. So um, it's just good that Keller can be making these steps. Yeah, um, I, I think we're, we're past the... Keller as our ace phase. Yep. Like you said, if if he can settle in to be, if he if, if he could be a number three guy, that'd be great. Yeah, I agree. Right. And that's, and there's still other guys coming up. We talked about Priester. We talked about Burroughs. Um, they can be coming up, you know, depending on development, possibly next year. You never know. They could be ending up in Indy by the end of the season and have a June or July call up. So Keller, he's not in a position where he has to be the ace. Nobody expects him to be the ace. So hopefully that's taking that pressure off. Same thing with Reynolds. Doesn't isn't expected to be the you know golden boy of the team. And Stargell star number three goes to bullpen arm Tyler Beatty. He and his wife just announced this past week that they are expecting a boy. And Tyler Beatty shares a birthday with me. That didn't impact this pick though. Just wanted to point that out. Over two games this past week, BD went multiple innings both times, allowing just three hits over 4.2 innings of scoreless ball, two walks, one intentional, one hit batter, one strikeout. It's not the prettiest stat line, but he put zeros on the board, and that's really all we can hope for, especially with guys like Stratton having blowups, Bednar not being able to pitch every inning, and uh, kind of a mishmash of everybody else in the bullpen. Ed, any thoughts on those? Three Stargell stars. No, I, I like all three. Uh, so we, we already talked about Reynolds and Keller. 
so with Beatty, he said every, everyone else in the bullpen has kind of imploded besides Bednar, but as you mentioned, can't pitch. Right. Well, Crow's been okay. That's been bad. Underwood had yeah. that rough outing. But... Yeah. Yeah, it's really hit and miss with the pitching. Mostly hit by the other team. Yeah, especially since I believe it was coming into the Brave series. I, I want to say the Pirates' bullpen was like the fourth or fifth best ERA. Wow. I'll have to look into that. I'm pretty sure they, they brought that up on the on, while watching one of the games. Because, of course, it was the Braves that brought it up because the Braves were like the number two bullpen at the time. Sure. You know, list going down a little bit further. I'm like, oh, all right. You know, Pirates are up there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Bednar, he's probably going to end up on the all-star team, might end up being our only representative. Crow, he's got a 2.25 ERA. Uh, BD, 3.18. De Los Santos, not used. Pitched, what, 5.2 innings. And he's got a 3.18 ERA. Yeah, and he had one bad inning where he gave up, I believe, back-to-back home runs for the first time in his career. Yep. Yeah. I think it was not even like the first back to back. I think it was the first multi. Those were only runs allowed. Yeah. So you know you you take that one inning away, but he he needs more. He needs more opportunities. He's really good. He's got this two seam fastball that just runs like in on right handed hitters. Yeah, they call they called him up. It's got reverse movement. They called him up, pitched him once, and then he sat for like eight days. Yeah, Shelton. It's like, oh my God. I just can't. I just can't. You just I gotta, told you before you the gotta, call. <laughs> you got to get guys innings, whether it's in mop up duty or whatever. You just know. You just know. Heath Hembry, currently rehabbing with Indianapolis, is going to end up getting called up. And if Dilo Santos isn't sent down, Hembry will get reps ahead of him. Which, I mean, we've got too many guys in the bullpen now. But so Delo Santos is probably the main guy out because he has options. But it's like he's he's got some. It's like you got to be playing the young guys. Yeah, he's got You're options. Playing but so when he's one of your playing when he's one of your top pitchers, you got to roll with them. Yeah, I I don't get it. I mean, I also don't get why we have four outfielders, not rotating them in. Plus, we've got Marcano, who he's obviously better at. He, he fills a really good role at second base. He had a three-hit game today. Dude looks like, I mean, just him alone, we won the Frazier trade with the Padres. I get why Charrington wanted him. He's only, what, 22, doing great. Um, but he can play outfield, too. So you've got another option if you need, if, like, one of the guys gets injured during a game to throw over there. He could be, like, a, a Josh Harrison-type player. I don't know. Yeah. And, and it's only going to get worse with Gamble and Marista coming back. I know. I know. We'll see. And Greg Allen, too. 
he's potentially going to come back and start a rehab stint soon. That's right. I forgot all about him. Oh, that's Southfield. All right. Well, let's ignore that for now and look ahead to the next week. The Bucks play four games in three days against the Cardinals in St. Louis before heading back to the Berg for a weekend series with the San Francisco Giants. St. Louis has Thompson, Liberatore, Nicholas, and Palante facing us. The Giants will have uh, undecided for the Friday game, Rodone and Wood. So we've got four lefties in Thompson, Liberatore, uh, Rodone, and Wood. This is a very lefty-heavy lineup that the Pirates have. I mean, obviously, we're going to say we lose all seven, right? Yeah, after the last couple of predictions <laughs> this we did. Last week. Oh, for seven. Uh, yes. St. Louis has been uh, really struggling lately, honestly. Um, I think both sides of the ball. Don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I feel like they they dropped below Milwaukee in the division. Um, the Giants are very good team. So, I mean, we're facing two pretty solid teams top to bottom overall. Yeah, uh, silver lining. Oh, as I say, silver lining is we play really good against the NL West. For whatever reason. So far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Radon and Wood aren't going to be – they're not going to be easy easy games at all. But we've thought the same thing with uh, Bueller and Arias, so. Yeah. Um, so I misspoke. The cards are a half game up on the Brewers. And San Francisco is currently three and a half games back of the Dodgers in the West. So, but both obviously have winning records – we've been doing very poorly within our division and uh, coming off rough series with the Braves and Tigers. I don't know. I think maybe the uh, game with Contreras pitching and hopefully one of the weekend series games. It's just tough when we're going against the Southpaw and we've got so many lefties in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think us being so lefty-heavy is the only reason Castillo is still on the team because he's been just not doing anything. He's batting maybe a little over 200. His defense is decent. Yeah. but um, He's he's playing fine at shortstop, and we, you know, let Newman do that for how long? Sure, yeah. Oh, boy, he'll come back eventually. His successor probably won't be quite as good defensively, but I – I think at some point, and I, I read something today that they're looking to have Cruz play shortstop. That's been their focus. He's been, I think over the past two weeks, he's maybe been like one or two times in the outfield. I have to double check all the box scores to make sure. But he has been seeing more and more time at shortstop. And nothing, I have to double check. I don't think he's made an error in the past two weeks. Well, now you did it. <laughs> I know, knock on wood, but... Um, they're going to happen. It's a very error-heavy side of the field. Hayes has, what, 10 on the season? So it's, it's just a, something that it's, they're going to be subject to. But, yeah. But Cruz is getting it done offensively. Hopefully at some point he's able to come in. The rumor is he's going to be there for the Giants series this weekend. 
hopefully that comes to fruition. And next Sunday, we're leading off the show talking about how Cruz was a boomer bust prospect and finally came up and wowed everyone or we're all disappointed in him already. <laughs> we'll see. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am Michael Castrogano. You can follow us on Twitter at 412 Double Play. Follow Ed at Ed underscore Wasso. Continue listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to my co-host, Ed Wasso, for jumping on to Talk Pirates today. Thank you for joining us, and let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. Bucks.